0: so we are and i have just put it on the screen as well because it will appear on the uh, video chat at the video chat the video of the youtube and things that uh, we just want to let you know that it is a bit of a trigger warning because this topic is obviously related to self-harm and having had an experience with self-harm myself i will be discussing that so we just want to let you know that if you find any of this um topic that we're discussing like triggering at any point, like do reach out for a start. But if you find it too much, by all means, like leave if you have to. We don't want to cause any, any problems for anyone. We don't want to just like upset anyone. But we yeah. did just let you know that there was that trigger warning. But at the end of the broadcast or whenever, if you need to reach out, By all
1: means, please do so. Absolutely. And uh, I'm sorry for Penelope being uh, bright and bushy tailed uh, at the beginning. Anyway, um, we're gonna get into some good stuff tonight, uh, some good mental health talk. um, And she is very tired, so she will be taking a nap. Um, It's just a matter of getting her to that happy place Um, and she's listening now, and I think we're heading that way. Um, As Gemma was saying, trigger warning for sure. And I'm going to get her situated. Yes? Do you want
0: me to go over some of the slides, or just start however you want?
1: So what I would like to do is a, is a, opening, a welcome, but if we could get that under control, um, that would be great. So hold on one second. Let me get her straightened, and we'll do a full-on welcome.
0: Um, that's one thing about kids. I mean, currently mine's not asleep. Can't promise you won't make an appearance. I am very much hoping you won't. The camera is like incredibly close. I feel like I need to sit back.
1: Okay, here we go. Ready? Welcome, everybody, to the Mental Health Hour. This is episode 68, and we are talking self harm today. Melody um, is joining us. Um, self harm. Is something, Gemma, you are more faceted with than, than I am. Um, I live on the substance abuse side of things. Uh, and I don't know that I can really add much to the conversation um, for self-harm, but I did want to dive into this because it's very important. Gemma, how Mm -hmm. are you? First of all, how's everything going on on the UK side of the world? And uh, uh, roll into some uh, self harm stuff from your past. Yeah.
0: Okay. Well, I am okay. Can't say that the rest of the UK are when you ask about how the UK is. But me in the UK, I'm all right. (laughs) Um busy, busy. I had myself a mental health day yesterday and went and took, got my hair done and just had some time for me as we discussed, but um, aside from that, we're good. But um yeah, so like mental health, mental health and self-harm. Um, I know I've discussed it before on here and I started self-harming at a very young age. I was nine. When I started self harming, Um, low level stuff to start with, but then a very serious attempt on my life at 12. And uh, have been self harming, I say ever since, but I've had longer spells now, like a good year or more now without anything much, um, because I've learnt to find different ways of dealing with it. Um, for me, for the most part, it was never about killing myself, although some of them were, they were very much about killing myself. But for me, a lot of the self-harm that I did was about like, um, this might sound weird, but like self-preservation, and damage control, kind of being able to take the pain away from like in my heart and in my head and physically go and put it elsewhere because you can't control in life what upsets you, what hurts you, what makes you want to throw in the towel basically sometimes. And for me, a way of dealing with that was to physically put the pain elsewhere and that that is how, for many years, I dealt with it. I, as I say, I started at nine because I was subjected to some abuse, physical abuse, mental abuse, and living with narcissists, and dealing with narcissists, very, very, very big spells of bullying at school. Um, went through a lot of eating disorders at a young age. And because of my physical health, I knew for, I've no, well, for as long as I can remember, I've always had physical health complaints. I was born with both hips out of socket. So I was a breech caesarean birth, but I had both hips out of socket. So from maybe an hour old, I was put into plaster cast from the waist down to the toes and had what was known as like a container bar put in between my legs that would be adjusted every week or so to um, make my legs and my hips do what I needed Then I had to have traction because one leg was longer than the other and I've always known that there was something wrong with me in that way um, I was made to feel very much like it was my fault and as a reason for my mum, shall we say, having now got physical problems because apparently back then you couldn't get the things that you needed for potentially a baby who has disabilities. You couldn't fit a baby with their legs spread wide out in a normal bush chair and there was no adaptations and things for that. Um, And due to that and because my family were very much against labels and against getting any kind of assistance in that respect, I went untreated for a lot of things until I was old enough to get that myself. So I went through much of school being very, very badly bullied, um, physically, mentally, you name it, all of it. And started taking it out on myself There was a number of attempts for me where the self-harm was Wanting to end my life because I couldn't see a way out of dealing with all of this But at the same time Most of it has been about damage control and about putting that physical pain In my heart and in my head elsewhere and it's got now, especially now, where the only way to describe this is as if I was to say having an oops the camera having an out of body experience in the way of for an example when I was raped I was able to completely cut myself off. The camera has just decided to fall. I was able to completely cut myself off from within my own body to the point where it felt like I was me, but watching over me with the bad things happening. And it's as though you go and watch a movie, but it's yourself in said movie. And I'm able to do that for a lot of stuff now because for many years i would consider myself as being completely numb sure and i had i had the ability to do that it's not something i would advise it is a horrible place to be and i absolutely hate it with every ounce of me i hate it but it was self preservation and it was the only way that i could deal with things and I tried to go about things without causing myself any physical harm and um, it wasn't overly successful I, I did go to a number of different therapies one of them I know you've discussed it before Tim was group therapy and this one I actually found quite useful because it wasn't a therapy that you would go to and they would say, you are not to self-harm. This is wrong. You should not be doing this. It was a case of acknowledging that you do it, acknowledging why you do it, and is there an alternative to doing that? A good thing that I found helped me because I don't think I'll ever stop having the thoughts of being of wanting to hurt myself sometimes because sometimes when the pain gets too much in here and I can't deal with it for me that is the only thing that I can do because I've never I think a lot of it boils down to not having that like when you're bringing your children up you teach them how to how to deal with things when you're sad, it's okay to be sad, you know, go and talk to someone. It's not it's not deemed as being a failure, it's not deemed as, you can't do that right because you, you're you crying, you know, it's normal. I always had it instilled in me and drilled into me that you were weak if you cry, you are weak if you go and ask for help, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be doing that. So I always dealt with things by myself. and. Finding the ability and sometimes the words to open up, is, is really hard So the best thing for me to do was to deal with it myself and that was the way I did deal with it because it's like, it's like, a, um, like an overload of pain that when it becomes too much that you can no longer physically cram anything else into there without it exploding it needs to be released and that is the way that i released it by physically removing that ouch in here and putting the ouch elsewhere so the group for me was like i mean don't get me wrong it didn't stop me doing it i have still self harmed since i went there i haven't for a while but for me like Say if you get an elastic band round your wrist and this was another way to cause an ouch without...
1: An ouch.
0: Yeah. And it, you get it, like, put it round and pull really hard and let it twang back. And it does, it gives you that ouch. And that, that was things that they would tell you about doing so that it gave you that instant ouch that hurts. There's Betty. Without causing any potential going through a vein where you shouldn't do. Like, I mean, when I, I remember when I first got access to the internet, I actually remember Googling which in which to kill myself or which to hurt, my, hurt, my, uh, hurt myself. And I'd made, I'd even gone as far as writing suicide notes, like saying, saying my goodbyes, doing all of that. And there were genuinely times when that's what I wanted to do yes but we got her um it is not i don't know like thinking back now i honestly hands on heart i'm glad that i failed albeit multiple times um there's been many a times where i wish i hadn't and there are many things that i wish like
1: you
0: For example, there's multiple different ways in which I tried to kill myself. When it was about killing myself, it would be overdoses and things like that. When it was about taking the ouch from in here, it usually would be like cutting or burning and things like that. And I got very, very good at making sure nobody could question me about it. Because a lot of people, when they go to self-harm, And originally when I started, it was about the wrists. It was the easiest access point for me. And then people would start asking you questions and then it would bring that back up as to, right, I did that and it was for that reason. And then it would make you think about the reason in which you did it and it would trigger that emotion off again, like, ah. But then you have a constant reminder that you are looking at anyway that you can see it. So I started getting, I guess, sly. We've di- we've discussed this with like addictions and things, because to a degree it is an addiction when you do it that often. And I became more sly in the way in which I was doing it. I didn't want to stop because I didn't know how to. I couldn't stop because that was my only way of dealing with the things that I was dealing with. So I started doing my go-to point then became the top of my legs because nobody sees that, right. nobody asks for it. And I'm not always looking at it. And there were times where, when I had done it, if it was causing that, like if I was getting that ouch again, inside, I didn't actually have to go and do it again like if I was out and about I wasn't going to just start cutting myself in public but what I could do is press on those things that I've caused already like if you cut yourself press on it and it causes that again and it's it was distracting me from that pain within again so that's all like it was and because I'd been doing it for so many years it became something that it just became part of the norm for me, as a way of dealing with the, um, the pain And, like, I don't know, like, I always worry about telling people and opening up about that And I worry what people will think of me, especially if they see the marks and stuff because there's a lot of people that don't understand and they will instantly judge you for what you do in life and it it gets me like when I'm not, say now because I'm more open to talking about this stuff when I am opening up to somebody generally as a rule I will start with the thing that I know will maybe shock somebody However, some, it's something that I've dealt with inside as to not cause me enough pain to see how that person will deal with it. And if they, in my mind, if they pass the test, then I can give them more. Because what I don't want to do is give somebody everything for them to destroy me with it to the point where I feel like I have to go back and start doing that. But at the same time, I'm never gonna be one that can open up fully. And if something makes me feel like I need to rip my heart out so that I don't feel anything else, that is the way that I had to be, like that's the way that I learned to deal with things. Whereas now when when I'm talking to my own child, I will tell him that, you know, if you want to cry, cry, it's a way of letting people know you're sad. If you want to, whatever you need to do to let that emotion out, do it, talk to me. It's not a sign of weakness and I think there was a stigma, there's always been that stigma I think with men and mental health, but in general there is always a mental health stigma. And if you show what people deem as a sign of weakness, there's certain people, like I have family members, for example, that will will pull you on that and be like, that that's not normal. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't be thinking that. You shouldn't be saying that. And it's why that was a behavior that I picked up and did myself. And something you have learned to do and have been doing it for that long, you can't just turn it off. And it is very much like an addiction, like Michael said. It is an addiction because it's something that I can't just stop doing and is my go-to for dealing with pain. So it very much is an addiction. And the marks...
1: A very, I agree. Very much so is... Hmm an addiction
0: it really is is. and it's not something i can just turn off there isn't a magic pill or whatever to stop me doing it i've just got to hope that in time i can find another way in which to deal with that hurt and that ouch in here and be able to open up be able to confide how do you
1: have how do you deal with an addiction that isn't like a substance you know what i mean like I was addicted to beer. I was addicted to alcohol. You know, um, mm-hmm. you're addicted to this feeling of release, right? Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? How do you how do you move forward with um, life when when you feel that you need to make that release? Um, what, what is there anything uh, that you can do instead.
0: Um, see, like an addiction. When you're addicted to a specific thing, you can't take it away, because unfortunately, in this world, you're never going to take away things that hurt you. There's always going to be something that comes up that will hurt you, that will upset you, that will make you want to cry, make you want to, I don't know, slam your head against the wall, like scream at the top of your voice, like I don't know, but. There's nothing to take away, and even if somebody took away all the knives in my house, I will still find a way if that's the case, but it's a, I think it's a way of finding an alternative around it. See, I had the therapy and stuff, and whilst it helps, it doesn't fully take it away. I think the best thing to do for anyone that's going through this as well, find something else that will give you a release. Like for me, when I, when I know I'm getting to that stage, music is a good thing. And I am very well known for listening to music that matches my mood because it's a way of get, it's a way of like releasing that through music. Music has
1: come up several times mm -hmm. on the show, uh, journaling music, what else Gemma? yeah uh, going out for a walk um, yeah
0: definitely take yourself away from exercise the environment.
1: all kinds of things mm.
0: like if it's something that you are around that is upsetting you go away from it leave that i don't mean leave forever i just mean like take some time away from it um go out like do something different put yourself in a different location um, if, if it's like, if it's someone that's upset you take time away, um, see, it's really hard because yeah, so everybody can... deals with things differently as well. And everybody can be hurt by something that other people might just think, what was that about? Right. Because it's all the way in which you why don't we
1: take a why don't we take a deeper look at self harm? Let's pull up some slides like we like to do on this show. Um, we'll, we'll get a better look at this is teen self harm. Um, now, as I've said in the past, uh, don't pay attention to uh, the words a teen self harm. Uh, it really does apply for everybody it it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be just teens um but it it, it seems that this is um directed towards teens
0: yeah okay so it says what is self-harm in the teenage years there are many things that make life hard when teens it says teens on here but like i said everyone when teens feel sad confused distressed or anxious their emotions might be so intense that they become involved in dangerous acts such as self-harm. Self-harm is also called self-injury or self-mutilation. It is defined as an intentional injury to one's own body. Usually self-harm leaves marks and causes tissue damage. Teen self-harm for a variety of reasons such as to switch off from distressing feelings, get away from a difficult situation and to gain a sense of control. we right. are we going on the next one? Yeah. Okay, so the numbers of on self-harm. Self-harm can begin as early as seven years old, which I said I was nine. I guess some of the things that when I was looking back they deemed could have been earlier, but I class it as nine because of what I was doing. And it says roughly one in six teenagers have tried some form of self-harm and approximately 5% of these teenagers hurt themselves in serious ways serious and persistent ways um oh sorry and it says but the age of onset is usually between the ages of 12 and 15 years so it can start as early as 7 but the age of onset is usually between 12 and 15 years and then we've got college students Comprise the highest number of reported cases of self harm at between 17 to 35%, with high school students ranging from 13 to 24%. 30 to 40% of college students report engaging in self harm after the age of 17. And we've got this one. So self harm can take multiple forms. Self harm can be physical and emotional, leaving scars that parents need to keep an eye on to ensure their team is not engaging themselves by which self harming by which by with self harming behaviour. Put my teeth in. <laughs> there we go. Physical nice, damage.
1: My gracious.
0: Oh, honestly, can't speak. So hair pulling. So that's definitely something that I started doing much younger than nine. Um, And I didn't really class that as it, but it does here. Head banging against walls and other objects. Again, thinking back, yeah, it could have been younger than nine, but I didn't. Small linear cuts. Common cut locations are on the forearm, upper arm and legs. Poisoning, swallowing poisonous substances such as bleach or other chemicals. Burning, often times branding with hot objects. Picking at skin or reopening wounds. Bruising, commonly used blunt objects are found on parts of the body that are hidden. Bone breaking, commonly in the hands and feet, sometimes larger bones are broken. Look out for unexplained scratches found in areas of the body that are usually hidden. And then emotional symptoms of self-harm. Drastic mood changes. Be aware of symptoms of, de- de- symptoms of depression or anxiety. Abnormal out of control behaviour. So becoming excessively upset can trigger an urge to self-harm. Excessive social isolation. Struggles with developing interpersonal relationships and a lack of confidence, so poor self esteem and self image, which we've discussed that as well. Um, they do often come in um, together, like with the self confidence things like that. I know I personally have got body dysmorphia and very, very, very low self esteem. Um, and they usually do seem to come Hand in hand um, Not necessarily But they can And then the scars and things That you can be left with Can also cause problems With the way in which You feel about yourself And can cause the, the scarring And things that you've caused by self harming Can cause that um, Problem within you as well So Yeah um, it's it's likely that if you're starting uh, if you're starting to self harm and you've caused those marks, it can trigger the low self esteem and then low anxiety, body dysmorphia because of that, and it can make it worse and make you do it more because it doesn't actually it's like a vicious cycle. Because if you like, I know for me, I've got certain scars on my body that I've caused myself that remind me of what I did which then will cause depression and anxiety about them especially if I know somebody's going to see them and potentially ask about it which then can cause me to get upset about it think about it more and want to do it even more not connecting the fact that if I'm going to self-harm again it's going to put yet another mark on me and I'm going to feel like this months or years down the line because when you get to that stage you're not thinking about the future you're not thinking about what's going to happen in a year a month even tomorrow or even in an hour you're just thinking about the here and now which is why often you do that because self-harm is very much about the here and now and not the future because generally you're not thinking about the future because a lot of the time you you don't want to be part of that um so it's trying to um It's try to get out of that frame of mind once you are in it, once you are infixed with that urge to self-harm, trying to get out of it. Like, if you are with somebody, a friend, a relationship, whatever, and you know that this person's prone to it, and you know the triggers of it, trying to recognise those triggers and trying to draw them out of it before they get too far into it, if that makes sense. Um, so that can be very, very difficult to pick up on the signs of it. But it can, it can be done. Um, distraction is a very, very good way of preventing the self-harm. Right. But you just need to distract them long enough to be
1: able yeah. to. And I wanted right. to talk about emotional symptoms. Mm.
0: Um. Yeah. What's going on? Where
1: are we? If Demo can run us through this slide, uh, this was uh, one that was actually
0: interesting. Right, so emotional teeth, emotional symptoms of self harm. So drastic mood changes. So be aware of symptoms of depression or anxiety. Abnormal, out of control behavior. So becoming excessively upset can trigger an urge to self harm excessive so- social isolation struggles with developing interpersonal relationships and then lack of confidence poor self esteem and self image so we've just discussed like the self image and things but excessive social I- social isolation i can't say that today um definitely speaking from experience one of the things i did i cut myself off from people I am extremely good at just feeling like I am a burden on other people Not wanting to burden other people with my problems Not wanting to cause them any upset Not wanting to feel like I am taking that from them and putting my problems on them So I just completely withdraw and cut off But sometimes as well, when you are that down and depressed, it is exhausting to deal with anyone. So sometimes doing that as well is purely just because you haven't got the energy to do it. It's very difficult sometimes to find that energy to do things, even just doing the the day-to-day tasks can take out much more energy than you would normally use if you were not depressed. Depression is like, say, for example, if you've got to do um, the laundry, for example, if you're feeling okay about yourself, that would probably be, you know, it wouldn't be too, too exhausting, really. But if you are depressed and already feeling very, very rubbish about yourself anyway, then doing that on top, like, it just takes away... It takes, it seems to consume more energy. and make every you more-
1: little bit of your life. Yeah.
0: So, like, socializing with people, as much as that seems to be, like, a good thing, especially if you're friends with people and you want to do these things, sometimes doing that can be exhausting. And you have to it's trying to build yourself up to do it because that in itself can cause social anxiety and it can cause so many problems to the point where sometimes it feels like it's just easier to cancel. Yeah. Then when you do it often, then you think, Oh, well they're not going to be my friend anymore. They're not going to want to be with me. They're not going to want to like be around me. They're not going to want to be friends.
1: Exactly. And that
0: can Trigger off a whole heap of other emotions, a whole heap of other problems. To the point where you do full circle and in the end you just don't do anything.
1: All of these things that you... Uh, it, it, it starts with uh, something as simple as picking. Um, mm-hmm. it, and then biting nails. And then...
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah uh,
1: we all bite our nails. If that's an anxiety release um, uh, continuing down the line. Uh, You keep going and going, and eventually it it starts turning into cutting and and all of that. Um, Gemma was nice enough to share some of her uh, stories with self-harm and mutilation.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not uh, up to speed on that. Um, Hattie, our mod, she... Also, has um, spoken on the subject of self-harm. Again, a good time to mention the Discord. Um, Mm -hmm. Please join us in our Discord. Uh, It's rapidly growing. Uh, It's a great community. Um, And Hattie is over there as well. She will uh, take you under her wing. the three of us, the TMHH team. Um and we've added Ray, a ray of sunshine as a moderator in the chat. Um Ray, are you still here? I have not seen Ray. But anywho, um I did want to send um no he's right ray, ray is here yes indeed ray thank you brother uh we welcome you to the mental health hour team uh please uh help us out and uh in, in chat and uh uh gemma
0: say again
1: what's that hmm did I miss? sorry
0: anything? i'm just
1: no i'm no idea i'm just yeah <laughs> um self-harm is and self-mutilation is a tough topic um and i don't want to let's see ah they took it away <laughs> the kids took it away i had a uh prop here that i was going to bring on the show tonight but it's not here now anyway um Gemma, let's get back into some slides.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, Know the risk uh, factors, uh, signs and self-harm. Right, signs and
0: self-harm. Open, thank
1: you. We're going to go through a couple more slides and then kind of share a little bit, and then we'll wrap up.
0: Yeah, right. So, know the risk factors and signs of self-harm. Difficulty expressing feelings. Extreme emotional reactions to minor occurrences, so like anger and sorrow. Stressful family events, so like divorce, death, conflict. Loss of a friend, boyfriend, girlfriend or social status. Negative body image lack of coping skills and depression. So, um, yeah, they, that definite, a lot of those for me, I can relate to with that. Um, and I think that most people who like when you're building up to the self harm, especially if it's for the reasons like I've discussed where it's wanting to, um, wanting to use it as a coping mechanism I think a lot of those can be what builds up before it happens so like for me I definitely have a difficulty expressing my feelings sometimes the best thing I can do is to write it down rather than talk but then the problem you have when you write something down is that you can't always tell a tone or intention by something that you've written down. So it becomes difficult. So if you want, to, if you're wanting to, I guess, use writing things down as a tool, I mean, depending on who it is, you can do it and give them it, but be there, I guess, because that way you've had the time to think about what you're writing down, you've had the time to get it out and then you can give them it so that you can see that they are understanding of it. Um, then there's the, uh, extreme emotional reactions. Um, I, I'm definitely more on the sorry thing, but a lot of it's because I have, to, I, for me anyway, I bottle it up and hide it to the point where I feel like I have to wait until I'm in my in a safe space. And then it becomes more extreme because it's letting out a lot of that upset. Because yeah. it's like having to pause the emotion until get you're that. able to. And then it all comes flooding out. And it's trying to, it's it's like you're trying to keep a lid on it until you feel in a spot where you're able to do that and to able to release it. Many a time I've gone into the bathroom, just locked the door and just sat there, like trying to let it out. Because the last thing I want to do is let Thomas see, for example, or anybody for that matter. I really, really struggle to allow people in to see that side of me. And I think a lot of, a lot of me because it's definitely easier online, for example This is so much easier for me I couldn't sit Easily and talk to someone Face to face about this It's much easier To do it online And Even though I share a lot of My experience On here There is also a lot that I hold back My like, Largely for self-preservation Because again, I feel like if you give somebody everything, they have that and I've had it before where people have used the information I've given them as a way to try and hurt me and that's what I don't want because I've got to the stage now in my life where people can say and do what they want, I really don't care but if you become personal and start hurting me with personal things that i've given you in trusting you with that hurts more and it becomes harder to deal with yeah so we've got some signs now um
1: we'll talk about warning signs
0: yeah let's um this again always good to look out for if you know somebody that does this because these definitely definitely can vouch for these wearing long sleeves during warm weather
1: the old long sleeves
0: yeah um abnormally secret or elusive behavior wearing thick wristbands that are never removed items that could be used for cutting knives scissors safety pins razors are missing unexplained scars or marks on the body and spending abnormally lengthy periods of time alone So self-harm is a habit that can last into adulthood and is crucial that teens learn safe, healthy and effective coping strategies so that they can deal with anxiety and stress appropriately into adulthood, which is again what I mentioned earlier, I wasn't given the ability to deal with that when it really counts. I think catching it earlier so it's less of a habit less of an addiction as with any addiction the more you are addicted to it the harder it is to break so the quicker and the quicker the faster you can get on top of this the better because once it's been something that you are so used to especially when it's like for myself it's more than half my life it becomes harder to break and get out of that cycle. I'm not saying you can't. Right. It just becomes much harder. And they say about this the saying, can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's the same thing. If you are used to dealing with upset and emotion and hurt in a way in which only feels right for you to do it by that, then trying to say you can't do that anymore. You've got to do something else and It just doesn't work so easily. It's like if you are used to drinking uh, a a certain coffee, people have coffee every morning. Some people can't do the day without coffee. If you then say you're not allowed to drink coffee in the morning ever again. You just can't do it. It becomes difficult. It's not impossible, but it becomes very difficult. And it's, it really is the same as any kind of addiction, be it nicotine, be it alcohol, be it drugs, be it any kind of addiction. If it's something that you are addicted to, that you are used to doing, trying to just stop it, not easy. Um, right, let's have a look at that one. It is Got that one? No. Right, I'll read it on the side. Um, So, it says, always remember to seek help immediately for self-harm. If you have urges to self-injure or have already done so, confide in someone who can offer help. If you find better ways to cope with bad feelings, offer assistance if you know someone who inflicts physical harm on his or her body. Self-harm deserves immediate attention. If you believe or know that your child is cutting, it is important to seek professional assistance and begin appropriate treatment. So again, yeah, you definitely need professional assistance. It's not something that you're going to ever do just by yourself, but early intervention is key. You definitely need to get in there as soon as possible.
1: If you see the warning signs, Mm -hmm. get in there, yeah.
0: If you have any suspicions whatsoever, I just say err on the side of caution Better safe than sorry, it's better to check and be wrong than to not do anything and regret it later on down the line Um, One thing, if you have somebody that you can trust enough to do that um, One thing that I used to do, I haven't got that ability now But as I say, it's not as needed, but do like where you journal again, journaling, but do a body check in where if it it is better, if you've got that someone that you can confide in, but you can do it by yourself where once a week or how even more often, uh, initially at the start, do it maybe every day, just at the end of every day, do a body check where you check and you can show somebody else, look, nothing there and get, reward yourself for it. It might seem silly me saying this, but have that something that you can work towards as a way of rewarding yourself for coping and for not doing this. It might it yeah. seems strange, I guess, saying it out loud, but Honestly, when you have been there, when you've been doing that, and at the end of each day, and then when you get better, at, it, at the end of each week, the end of each month, whatever, document, write down any feelings that you've had, get them out of here and out of here, and put it onto paper, put it into a journal that you journal
1: journaling journal thing, and, journal
0: and then. Write down the things that you are grateful for, like we've said about gratitude. Write down the things that you're grateful for, the things that you've done well. And then if you have managed to get through that day, that week, that month, with no self-harming, document that down. And at the end of the day, if you have, if you've done it, again, write it down. Write down what caused it. Write down what triggered it to happen. Close that page and move on. There's no point dwelling over it at the end of the day Everybody does make mistakes, everybody has the slip-ups But you can try and find, if that is the only way in which you can deal with that Then you can find safer ways of causing that ouch Without causing potential life-threatening problems like I said with the elastic bands and then, then there's ice, getting ice in your hand and really, really squeezing it, that can cause that, that ouch that you need without causing harm. And there's many, many things. Again, I, I've said if anybody needs to reach out, I have some resources that will help. I'll stick some in the Discord. Um but some of them I'd rather send to people that I know will need them because I don't want to be causing triggers and stuff to other people, but they are there, they exist, and just like, just reach out. Just
1: reach out, reach out for help.
0: I mean, I I do, I really do wish that I had somebody that I felt I could have confided in back then, because it really did escalate out of control to the point where trying to just switch it off, it's never going to happen but
1: so let's take a look back the numbers you
0: want me to read it
1: no no good we're good i just wanted to throw that back up there as a quick as a quick closing reminder uh while we're talking um there's the numbers uh I don't know how up-to-date this is. Um, That's one of the problems I've been having in researching for this show. Uh, Some of the stuff is not as up to 2022. Um, I'm getting a lot of stuff from 2020, 2017, 2019. But uh, we'll keep trying to uh, pop out the the most uh, current information that we can for you guys um please get into the discord please get into the, um that's where all the magic happens um gemma thank you so much for uh taking the the reins on this show tonight um uh this show was basically built for you uh, the, the mental health hour um Goes in many directions, uh, however, uh, tonight's episode with self-harm uh, was right up your alley, uh, mm-hmm. right down Main Street for you, uh, and we appreciate you uh, sharing your experience, strength, and hope, um, and, and, and telling us that it's all going to be okay, and now to... That little baby girl is asleep. Of course. We've been live for 56 minutes and now she's asleep. How about that? Um, but anyway, uh, I would like to... Hattie has been dropping um, the help lines, I hope. I, I think I've seen them. And uh, uh, we've been Promoting them. Yes. Uh, Please feel free to reach out to any of us. Uh, We will get you in line with uh, where you need to be. Um, Gemma, myself, Hattie, and now Ray, a ray of sunshine joining the TMHH team. we're growing. I'm glad. I'm very happy. Uh, this is uh, becoming a a brand, and it's a, a very good thing. Um, I want to touch more. We're going to talk more about self-harm and mutilation. Um, there's a lot to cover here. We we covered a lot tonight. Uh, we got into the nitty-gritty uh mm-hmm. And Gemma shared a lot. And thank you again, Gemma, uh, for that. Um, But uh, other than that, I think we can throw it towards the light. Um, Catalyst tonight. Don't forget to get your Catalyst in. 11 (laughs) o'clock. You know, last week I was – Gonna try and uh, I always try and make Catalyst. I love Catalyst. It's one of my favorite programs on Twitch. Um, and uh, I, I think I fell asleep. <laughs> so, um, anyway, Gemma, what do you got for us?
0: Um, i just uh, real quick. I've updated the uh, the website with the guests that we've had on. Uh, so check that out. Um, there's the, um, a few things that I'm going to stick on there. I am actually looking to, uh, share the story of anybody that's willing, uh, in writing. Like, if you're not potentially wanting to come on the show, but would share a story with us, like, in writing, I was thinking that might be a good addition as well to, uh, to, like, the website and stuff. Um... Yeah, that's pretty much about the lot, I
1: think. Yeah, check out out our good friend, Array of Sunshine.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Positive vibes, positive stories. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Season three, Summer of Sunshine. Uh, Well, we're going into winter. But uh, he'll still be uh, throwing down. Uh, we got the weirdo Weirdo Show. Um, Ray, I, I would like to talk to you as well hmm. after the show. And uh, how about a happy birthday to Hattie? Happy birthday, Hattie. Happy birthday, Hattie. Our moderator, Hattie, Naomi, uh, celebrated her. What? Hattie, what was it? <laughs> Remind me again. She had her 47th birthday, 49th. 46.
0: 46. Well, then, can you DM me or secret? Because I take at least 10 years off you. Like, seriously. Oh my uh, God. What are you talking
1: about? Happy birthday, oh, to, birthday to our birthday. great. To our, to our Hattie, our Naomi, um, she has a mailbox in Discord now. Uh, please mm-hmm. drop her a line. And other than that, I think uh, we got Ella, Ella. For all things Bunny, FireDude15 is your promo code, www. Pinched, What's that?
0: Thomas is pinched. I had one left right next to my computer, and he's pinched them all. Yeah.
1: But Yes, our, our wonderful mod, Hattie, 46 mm-hmm. years old. Thank you for all the work you do for the mental health hour. We right. appreciate it and uh we love it and happy birthday. Happy yeah, you're amazing. Family. All right. That being said, I guess we're gonna get on out of here.